Morning, morning. This is Lucinda Kay with Speaking Freely, and I am so excited that you're along for the ride. Right now, there are some really, really tough things happening in this world, and it's important that we know how to talk to them with not only each other as adults, but also with our children. So today, I'm bringing in the so-called Windy City Nanny. Her name is Florence Ann Romano. Good morning, Florence Ann. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, thank you for taking time. I mean, this is just, wow, so much is happening in the world. Tell me, first of all, what uh, what does it mean to be the a Windy City Nanny? <laughs> I was a nanny for over 15 years. Uh, I've always had a very special place in my heart for children. I, uh, When I was a little girl, I used to say to my mom, will you take me to the hospital to have my baby? <laughs> and uh, what I meant by that was take me to the toy store so I could pick out a baby doll. And uh, then I would go home and make birth certificates for all of my children. I mean, I was like a crazy person, I think. Wow. Crazy little kid, but I just loved children even when I was a child myself. And uh, I became a mother's helper at the age of 11, and that you know parlayed into me becoming a babysitter. Uh, and then eventually a nanny. And I uh, I loved it. It was a beautiful, special, joyful, crazy time of my life. And um, after I retired from being a nanny, I wrote my first children's book, Nanny and Me. It helps children understand the transition of being cared for by their parents to being cared for by a nanny or a caretaker. Mm -hmm. And uh, just recently launched a web series on YouTube called The Windy City Nanny, where we talk about letting love into your life, building your village, and asking for help. Uh, So it's uh, really led me into a very interesting uh, part of uh, my life uh, where I'm no longer caring for children in the respect of being a nanny, but now um, am uh, serving children and nannies and uh, parents in a very different way. Yeah, and that's so important right now. I mean, now more than ever. Every day it's important, right? But now more than ever, we just all need to be stepping up with and for each other, holding each other accountable for kindness, holding each other accountable for lessons, teaching lessons, learning lessons. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. It's more important now than ever. It should always be important. But right. I think now we're, we're realizing just how important it is to make sure that we are cognizant of that and, and active and proactive about that as well. So Florence, and right now, what are what are families asking of you? They, mu- they must call on you even still, whether it's online or the families you've looked after. What are, they, mm-hmm. what are you hearing from your families that they need? It, it, it really is a variety of things, but to go back to this idea of the village, like I just spoke about you know, my, in my web series, it's, it's talking about things that maybe people are afraid to talk about. Maybe it's subject matters about postpartum and anxiety and depression and self-care and, uh, you know, being a single parent or being uh, a non-traditional family where, you know, they ha- there are two dads raising an adopted child. There are a lot of different dynamics in the world today regarding child care. And the statistic being that over 64% of families in America today have a nanny or a caretaker you know, that's a staggering, you know, statistic. That's, that's staggering data. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes you think about what does that mean for the future of these children? And that's why I really like to put it under the microscope and say, if that's the data, then what does that mean for our children regarding how they turn out? Are they going to be better or worse 
are being raised for people other than their parents. Mm -hmm. What does that tribe look like? What does that village look like? Uh, So regarding the questions I get from parents, a lot of it has to do with how to build that village. You know, that's that's the vagueness of that old adage that it takes a village to raise a child. Yes, that's true. But my job is to give you directions to the village, tools to build that village, uh, and how to ask for that help. Uh, so right now, that's probably the, the, the most overarching conversation that I have with parents mm-hmm. is about what's plaguing them in their lives um, and what they need to work through from an emotional perspective in order to support their children. And Florence, and I would say that the raised by a village, that's, that's an old adage, right? That's an old term because it used to be that we lived in these tribes, in these villages, and we had teachers and churches and mm-hmm. Sunday picnics and your after school clubs. And so that is how we were raised. Right. And mm-hmm. then we probably went through this long period of time where people became much more isolated, much more mobile. Right. And so mm-hmm. now we intentionally build this village. Right. That's a very good way of putting it is intentionally building that village. And uh, you know, I was raised in an old school Italian home. My mom's parents lived with us. So, mm-hmm. you know, we had a very built-in village. It was a robust village. I grew up with my cousins and in a cul-de-sac, you know, riding my bike with friends. You know, this is not the age we live in anymore. You know, we are a much more um, divided generation. We are not as connected, um, whether that's because of technology or otherwise. You know, the communication skills are different. The social skills are different. Um, so that has affected what this village looks like. And, uh, you know, people don't have the friends and family to lean on like they used to. So it's about figuring out how do you do that? You know, you, you children, you always encourage them to have friendships, right? Well, it's the same for adults. Mm-hmm. Adults have to figure out how to have friendships and how to lean on other people, how to ask for that help. It's not easy to do. Same as it's not easy for some children to be social and make friends. You know, so it's funny that you kind of see that cycle repeat again later in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I talk to a lot of, I'm a communications coach as well as being in the news business and talk to a lot of adults about nurturing friendships. You know, we can get into periods of time where all we do is hang out with colleagues and maybe you're at networking events. So you're socializing, but that's not the same as nurturing friendships where you know, another adult can step in and and you can trust them to be loving on your child as the auntie or as the uncle, you know, you have to do that on purpose. It's like you said, it's very intentional and, and, and it takes time. You know, these are things that people want to snap their fingers and think that it's just going to happen overnight and that they automatically are going to have these people that are going to be there for them when their cards are down. And, you know, when, when they need, you know, support the most. And it's not even just like if there's a death in the family or anything like that. This idea of the village, it's it's defining it differently too. It's it's about emotional support just through what you would consider maybe the mundane things in life. You know, when your kids are driving you insane and you just need <laughs> yeah. to talk on the phone to someone that's going to understand it for a minute or just to shoot a quick text message and be like, I'm going to lose my mind today. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, me too. You're not in it alone. You know, that's support. It doesn't have to be we have to go out for a drink and get a babysitter and all that. I mean, there's all different ways to be able to garner that support in your life and be able to have that self 
self-care. But the important thing to remember is that those relationships, it's about quality, not quantity, Mm -hmm. and they do sustain you. That village may change over time. All of those people, they may not always be there. Maybe it ebbs and flows because of whatever life happens, geography, you move, whatever, you know, but it's about making the effort to do that and also remembering that you have to be reciprocal in that village too. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not a tit for tat game. You know, it's not, well, you did this for me and I did this for you. Not at all. But you do have to be an active part of that village. And if you are a part of someone else's and making sure that that, that is mutual uh, to make that be a worthwhile relationship and to not end up feeling resentful. Mm-hmm. Um, but not keeping score either. You know, it's, it's really based on um, a lot of humility and a lot of, you know, of genuine nature that, that really needs to come from you. And all of this is about communication and compassion. And with all of the hard things happening in the world right now, whether it's being at war or these mass shootings, there's so much violence going on. So Florence, Ann, how do we, how do we talk to our kids and each other? How do we explain these violent crimes? It's so difficult to, to talk about this because I think as adults, we don't even understand it, right? We don't even understand what's going on mm-hmm. in our world and why now when you disagree with somebody, the, the, the answer to that is to kill them, to shoot them. I mean, I don't, this is such an odd concept. And I, and I always say that, you know, you're not born evil, you learn evil. Mm-hmm. So that's a larger conversation about, you know, why things like this happen and where the influences are coming from and from a mental health perspective, all of these different factors. But for children, you know, they have a very hard time processing evil or acts of violence. It, it, they don't live in that world where they think about hurting somebody. And so when they are exposed to the news and, and, and social media and all these different things, because they are, you know, to pretend that our kids don't see it, don't hear it, aren't talking about it in school, mm-hmm. you are really doing a disservice to your child. Yeah. You want there to be an open line of communication with them to be able to talk through things because talking through the things that scare you is just as important as you talking about anything else, mm-hmm. talking about your joys or your successes. Children need to learn from a young age that it's okay to be scared. It's okay to ask questions. Oh, but yeah. in order for them to do that, you have to create a safe, safe space for them to do that. Yeah, for instance, I mean, so yeah. many adults, right, that's what gets them into trouble is that they don't want to feel afraid and they don't want to feel uncomfortable. Well, we have, right. to, we have to teach not, not only ourselves to let that be, to let it wash over us, but teach our children that it's okay to feel afraid or unsteady and ask questions. I love Absolutely. that, that you've brought that up. Absolutely. It is okay. It's, it, it's a real emotion. And you, have to, and you have to encourage them to be able to uh, develop that emotional intelligence. That's a very important part of development mm-hmm. for children. Uh, and not to say that these times are a great you know, learning lesson, but in some cases it is. It is a time to learn about things and learn about stranger danger in a different, more, I guess, modern, for lack of a better term, way. Mm -hmm. Stranger danger is always about just, you know, what exists in society around you that they have to be cognizant of. It's okay to teach your children to be defensive and, and to make sure that they are noticing their surroundings and to be talking to them about the proper way to communicate 
your opinion, if it, if it differs from someone else's. Again, these are a lot of life lessons. They're yeah. learning a lot about communication skills through seeing this disgrace that we're seeing, you know, uh, in, in our, in our world today. And, um, again, it's, it's most important to create an open line of communication with your children from the earliest that you possibly can, but also censoring the information that you give them. They don't need to hear the gory details of things if they're young children, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they don't necessarily need to be seeing the images on TV. You know, you can only shield them from so much, but you know, Try to keep kids as innocent as you can for as long as you can, but also giving them the information in order to make them feel safe, in order to empower them, and to, or in order to explain and educate them. And Florence Ann, I imagine that it's just like the sex talk. It's much more important that you have a zillion tiny sex talks instead of one big talk. <laughs> it's the same when we're talking right. about how to maneuver in the world, right? A series right. of little conversations, one bite at a time. One bite at a time is a, it's a great way of putting it. You know, that's, that's honestly a great way to parent, you know, one bite at a time. You, you don't need to sit down and have these extremely heavy conversations. You're like, okay, honey, now we're going to talk about the birds and the bees. And, you know, <laughs> it gets all super, you know, uh, you know, awkward and all that sort of thing. Um, one thing, you know, I'd like to go back to that, you know, I think is very important for parents to hear is that, you know, you have to be comfortable also having conversations with your children. And maybe you weren't raised, you, you know, these parents were not raised in a home where there was a whole lot of communication. And you want to change that behavior with your own children, but it's hard for you. It's awkward for you. Um, you have to take those steps, you know, in order to do that. And, and you know, reading resources, you know, talking to people about, you know, the different strategies they've had about addressing conversations. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's what the tribe is there for. That's what Google is there for. You know, there's so many different things, you know, technology-wise that we can tap into. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's the idea of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, like you said. Yeah. And if you are going to be uncomfortable in that conversation, your children are going to pick up on that energy that you're giving off. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to do that. You want them to feel comfortable in that moment and think of you as, you know what, mom, dad, auntie, uncle, grandma, whatever. I can trust them. You yeah. know, I can talk to them and they don't judge me and they listen to me. That's what you need to try to establish. But it comes from you. You have to do the work on yourself first. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Speaking Freely with Lucinda Kay. And today we're talking to the so-called Windy City nanny. Her name is Florence Ann Romano. She's a child care expert and author. And uh, Florence, and you talk a lot about uh, practicing what you preach. And I always uh, say, you know, you have to decide how you want to be perceived. So if you want to be perceived as calm, cool, collected, define that behavior for yourself and then carry it out. If you want to be perceived as awkward, well, define that behavior and carry it out, right? It doesn't really matter what we feel. It doesn't matter if we're tired or sick or scared. We can still deliver these behaviors as we want to be perceived. Exactly. That's exactly it. And, and defining that behavior is a great way of putting it. You know, that's, that's really what life is about, you know, as, as a former nanny, you know, and talking to these families and to a question you asked me earlier to kind of circle back to that, you know, what, what do I talk to them about? And one of the topics I also discuss with them are the family values. 
what is important to them. I think this is something that's missing in our society today, and people always get very nervous when I use that word values. They think I'm going to get all preachy and talk (laughs) about religion and God Mm. and, you know, morality and all of that. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about values as the term that, you know, the, the, the dictionary, you know, kind of has. And it's about what sustains you, what's important yeah. to you and your family. I'm not here to tell you what your value should be. Right. If you need help figuring it out, happy to fit, help you figure it out. But I'm not going to tell you what the values of your home should be. Mm-hmm. But what I am going to tell you is that you should know that's something you need to work on. Because right. there's no way you're going to be able to build that village without knowing what your values are. And so that's the exercise. That's the work that families need to do. And I promise you, if we did more of this in our society today, we would see a change. Mm -hmm. There would be a ripple effect there if people started getting more in tune with the priorities of their family. Yes. So Florence Ann, um, school is starting. A lot of schools have already launched uh, other kids going back to school next week. What are what are some of those back to school conversations we should have about safety and violence? Well, a lot of schools today are having those conversations already where children, you know, they they're if there's an active shooter, they they go through active shooter drills now at school. I mean, can you believe we live in a world like that where the yeah. kids need to, to learn that? I mean, we had fire drills and tornado drills and all that sort of thing, but this is a whole new level that I, I never really expected to see. Uh, again, you know, be an active parent. Look at the curriculum that is going on in your child's school. Know what topics they're covering. And if they are discussing violence, they're discussing terrorism, they're going through drills. Don't pretend like it's not existing. You know, if they come home and tell you, we did this weird thing, mom, or weird thing, dad, where, you know, we had to hide under our desks in case someone comes into the, into the school with a gun. You know, don't shy away from having that conversation. Ask them, how does that make you feel? You know, what do you understand? What, what, what does that mean to you? Do you understand what that means? You know, let them try to open up to it. So, Having those conversations about danger, stranger danger, or you know, even terrorism is very important as kids go back to school. Um, but also just the idea of, of children learning um, to be defensive. I want to go back to that. That's a, that's a skill children need. You know, we go back to this idea of, you know, you don't take candy from strangers and all that. And you see these news stories all the time where they, like, plant someone to try to lure a kid away and, and their parents are watching and they see that they, their child goes with the stranger and they lose their minds. Like, I can't believe my kid. I never thought, you know, I've talked so much about danger and things like that. And they still went with that stranger. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a one-time conversation. Right. This is something you need to keep repeating and working with um, the kids uh, kids about. And, uh, you know, and also, again, going back to this idea of what's being done in school, make sure you know. Make sure you know the topics that are being covered so mm-hmm. you can use those learning lessons back at home. And right, so you're repeating the, the messages. And it's so important right. that mm-hmm. as a grown-ups and children that we practice, right, that we speak mm-hmm. the sentences out loud if we tell our child to say no thank you, but they've never said it out loud, they're not going to be able to do it in an emergency situation, right? If they if they can't say right. it in a safe situation. <laughs> exactly. So we have to That's practice speaking the sentences out loud. We have to practice, you know, where do we walk to in emergency? You know, and lots of times I think uh, in families, we, f- we forget that piece of it. You know, perhaps parents are talking at their children instead of with them, instead of engaging yeah. in some sort of, you know, interactive exercise. Right. 
It's a very good point, not talking at them, but with them and, and, and understanding what a give and take conversation is. Again, everything you do with your children, every conversation you have, you know, these are, these are all the building blocks of life for them. This is, this is the fabric of who they're going to become, you know, as adults. Um, and so you, you want to make sure you're, you're constantly talking. I mean, my gosh, when I think back on my childhood, my mother could not have stressed more, you know, over and over again, certain things. And even to this day, I'm like, oh my gosh, you said that all the time. Well, I mean, why'd you have to say that all the time? We get it. We get it. And she's like, no, I need to make sure you got it. You really, <laughs> I needed to make sure you understood. Mm-hmm. And it's better to go too far with over explaining and, and, and reiterating too much than, than, than not doing it enough mm-hmm. because you you know, that's airing on the side of, 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 of good versus bad there. You know, I mean, just, I would go, you know, again, there's, there's moderation, everything in moderation. Our world has a hard time with that, you know, <laughs> in general. Um, but, you know, I, I do think when it comes to safety and all of that, you know, you, you bet, you're, you're better off just being safe than sorry. And Florence, Ann, how, what are some <clears throat> examples of the, how can we be teaching each other respect, kindness, compassion. Mm-hmm. What, what are some actual examples or stories that you have where you are working on that with kids? I always say that the best way for, for parents or caretakers or nannies to teach lessons of kindness uh, is through philanthropy. Philanthropy has been a big part of my life ever since I was little. I mean, I went to private Catholic school my whole life up until I went to college, and not that you have to do that in order to learn, you know, philanthropy, but it was a big part of my childhood was community service and giving back Mm -hmm. and never getting paid a cent for anything that you did. You had to learn that lesson when you're younger. (laughs) I don't get paid for this. I just do this. And it was really, it was a really good lesson, but I have, I really brought that in to the coaching that I do with families and children about why philanthropy is important because you learn so many different lessons. An example that's very easy for parents to utilize is your children are already on their tablets constantly. They're on YouTube looking up all sorts of videos and things like that. Mm -hmm. In a world where there's so much darkness, there is so much light. And, you know, Mr. Rogers had that great saying that said, you know, when I can't remember it completely verbatim, but, you know, when something's wrong, look for the helpers. There's always people helping. And it's such a beautiful way of kind of illustrating uh, society when you feel that it's just such trying times. Um, And and so when you look at YouTube, there are so many different videos about human kindness. And, and I think that's very inspiring. And I always encourage parents to look up videos of children, their child's age, showing them doing acts of kindness or acts of service and use that as a motivator, you know, use the fact that they're on that tablet already and, you know, you know, turn it forward in some sort of positive way. I'm not saying send your kids to a soup kitchen or you could, I'm not saying it has to be that, but there are small ways of, uh, of being able to instill these values. Uh, of kindness and compassion. You know, I grew up with a brother with autism. He's only a little younger than I am. And it was an unbelievable blessing because I grew up already understanding that there are people that are different. There are people that are special and you treat everybody, no matter what, with kindness and compassion and tolerance. And in today's world, we are so much more aware of autism and different, uh, and different sort of, um, you know, diseases or mental disorders or whatever it might be. And we do live in a world where it's more widely accepted. But the point is, 
we need to teach our children from the sandbox about those values of how to treat other human beings, especially if they are different than you are. Mm-hmm. So these are all ways that you can, uh, you can incorporate, uh, you know, give back. You can incorporate these values as, as your kids grow up. And the, the one final thing I'll say to that topic is my best friend's mom has a great saying, and I use it all the time. When her little kid, when her children were little, they would, and they would start a sentence with I, she would stop them and say, you better be ending that sentence with something you're going to do for somebody else. Mm. And that was beautiful. Knocked out of the park gives me goosebumps even thinking about it because <laughs> that's it. I mean, and look at her kids today. These are some of, I'm not even kidding, the most amazing children I've ever met in my life as adults. I mean, they are unbelievable people, role models for everybody. And it was because of the instruction of her, of their mother, saying mm-hmm. that this was going to be a value of their family. That's how you treat other people. You put them first. Mm-hmm. So again, it goes back to who are you as a role model, as a parent, an aunt, a nanny, whatever it is, you have to make sure that you know yourself and know the type of example you want to set, because believe me, those kids are watching and listening, especially when you think they're not. And Florence Ann, what do you feel worried about in the world right now and hopeful? I think my worry is is that we are becoming more and more divided about a lot of things, and I, I wish there was a way for us to, to bring it all together and just agree to just treat each other with respect. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand why such a simple concept is so hard in this world today, just to be respectful and just to be kind. And, and if you have a difference of opinion, okay, that's fine. It makes the world go round. There's always been differences of opinion, but we've never expressed our, our distaste for somebody in such a aggressive or tragic manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what scares me is why we can't, why we can't take the simplicity of respect and, and employ that more. Uh, but my hope is that there is always kindness uh, and I see more kindness than I see cruelty. Uh, and I think it will always prevail. I just think that we need to take a more active role as parents and caretakers and role models and aunties and uncles in making sure that we're teaching the right lessons. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm hopeful about is mm-hmm. that people do have that heart and mind that are syncing up to instill all of those things in our next generation, because then maybe we'll see the change, the things that upset me, the things that I'm still worried about. Maybe that's how it's going to change because we're going to take it under our own control and say, we're not going to allow this to continue for the next generation. So yeah. maybe both have a way of influencing each other. Mm-hmm, for sure. And Florence, and I like on this show, I like to talk about daily practices because I get to interview so many amazing humans doing big things out there in the world. How do you personally keep yourself sane, motivated, on track to keep doing what you're doing? I work out physically just because it's good for the, it's good for, uh, you know, smiles and getting me through the day, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the physical working out does not compare to the mental, uh, work that I do. And it, it really comes down to prayer. Mm. Um, and, and I, I'm not here to talk about religion or anything like that, but for me, it's always very grounding mm-hmm. to make sure that instead of me asking, I'm thinking, uh, and that's a practice in my life is I, I always go back to what am I grateful for instead of what do I want? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I use that in in all areas of my life. I think that attitude of gratitude is key to 
keeping ourselves, keeping our endorphins boosted, right? So that no matter what is happening, we can always find the golden nugget. That's beautifully said. The golden nugget, whatever that is, whatever day, year, month, whatever it might be, uh, it, we're always in search of that. But in order to get there, um, you have to go through some turbulence. Yeah. And, uh, that's okay. I always tell people, don't be afraid of the F word. And they're like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? I said, the F word, failure. Don't be afraid <laughs> of failure. And that's true. I mean, that's something kids have to learn young. I mean, don't shield them from that either. Yeah. Know that life is not fair, it's not easy, and you're going to fall down a lot but you got to keep going. You're the victim or the survivor. Yeah, well, evolution only comes through the hard, right? (laughs) No evolution comes through the easy. Right, exactly. So, you know, you got to fight the fight. Mm. (laughs) That's the only way. (laughs) You're listening to Speaking Freely with Lucinda Kay, and today we've been talking with Florence Ann Romano. She is the Windy City nanny. And how can folks find you online, Florence Ann? I'm all over social media, Windy City Nanny, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can also go to my website, WindyCityNanny.com, and you can grab a copy of my book there or any major bookstore as well, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all of that. I hear it makes a great baby shower gift. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and you have, you have like 20 seconds, Florence Ann. What's your final thought for our listeners? I would love for everyone to tune into my web series, Windy City Nanny, on YouTube. Please let me know your thoughts about it and what you would like to see from a perspective of a child or adult and the themes that we cover. And if you want to be on the show, I would love to hear from you too. Thank you so much. Remember when you're explaining anything going on, li- going on in life, define your behavior first, how you want to be perceived. Take your time with those conversations with your children one bite at a time. If you're listening to Speaking Freely with Lucinda Kay. Get out there and be your best bold self.